We are live. Here we go. I tried to like, I feel like people saw me holding my breath as oh. I like changed the video before I changed the audio because the running theme on all of my shows is that I can't <laughs> transition for shit. Um, but I'm just going to spotlight myself real quick as I do our intro. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and co-hosting with me tonight, a special guest co-host. Uh, you may know her from Too Funny Feedback, but we got Lisa Skinner here, uh, and it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited for that. Um, but you can watch our previous broadcast at... Uh, District Comedy's YouTube channel and the Facebook channels, uh, or you can listen to them on most podcast platforms, and this was actually earlier today. This now includes Pandora! Yay! We made Woo! it! Uh, <laughs> but if you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at district-comedy.live, and if you want to keep up with us on social media, check out the link in the description. Special bonus plug, the link for this will also be in the description. Uh, we're doing our first ever showcase, Fancy Mike. Uh, so, uh, tickets are $10, but only $5 for the first 15 tickets, so get them while they're hot. And then, uh, that's why I'm telling you now, the show will be April 16th, that's a Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. But here with us today, we have Rashid Wesley Jr. Hailing from Chester, Pennsylvania, comedian Rashid Wesley Jr. has performed up and down the East Coast, bringing laughs and love every, and loving every second of it. Sorry, I can't talk. That's also a running theme on this show. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Okay, okay. And um, But yeah, uh, he's also open for uh, Chris Thayer, Amy Miller, and Dante Nero. Uh, performed at Broadway Comedy Club and performed in the New York Underground Comedy Festival. Um, if you want to follow him, give him a follow on Instagram at sheedgotjokes. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for being with us today. That is thank it for my for spiel. Me. Let's go back to normal camera mode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited. Um, so uh, the first question and the last question we ask on this show are the same for every comedian. That's how we're going to start. But um, that first question is, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform before? Um, man, I know, I know like this is such a cliche for, for comedians to say, but I think it's just like just me. Like, it, like you, I, I don't like to do comedy if you can walk away from it and not know who I am, like as a person, like, mm. like if you watch me do stand up, you're not just like hearing jokes. You're like, oh shit, I, I know some things about this dude now. Like, you know, cause like one of my, uh, like one of my favorite books that I've ever read, it's Kevin Hart's biography. And it's something that Keith Robinson said to him when he first saw his act. Keith Robinson walks up to him. He's like, yo, that was cool. He's like, yeah, what'd you think? He was like, it's good. Who are you? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, after all of that, you said all these jokes jumped around the stage for 15 minutes. I don't know who you are. Like, tell me who you are. So, you know, so I always try to do that. So I guess if I had to describe my comedy, it's a ride in the mind of a almost 30 and terrified <laughs> black male um, living in America uh, in an interracial marriage. Um, and who is a massive nerd and not afraid to talk about it. <laughs> so, like, again, kind of to your point of, like, it's the, it's at the same time a, like, more cliche thing to say, like, my comedy is me. But it's also, like, so unique because uh, who else is going to have, like, that kind of perspective? Not a lot of people, at least that I know of, um, in comedy. And uh, it's also great because, um, and I'm actually 
especially glad Lisa's here tonight uh, since she does two funny feedback with me because one of the things that we say on the show to comedians all the time is that Lisa especially, I'll, I'll let you point say it, it's, it's point of view. That's like her I'll theme song, POV. her motto, her slogan. It's all about POV. And like to that point, I try and like explain to people that it's like a lot of it is, yes, you should be funny. You should have a strong premise. Even better if you're telling a story or you have an overarching like point uh, to your comedy and you're trying to make a statement. But really... A lot of what will make people successful, I find, uh, when I watch their acts, is, like, part of the job, almost, and please give me your opinion on this if you agree or not, is basically for five minutes or however long your set is, your job is to be friends with the audience. Yes, absolutely. Like, I mean, I won't say necessarily friends, because there's gonna, but, well, I guess you can be right. I guess, I guess you're kind of right, because... Friends will say things that you don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. You know, like, you, you know, I, I might, like, me and my, like I said, like, earlier today, I got into an argument about my, with my friend earlier about uh, Eddie Murphy movies, where he said, like, Eddie Murphy hasn't had a good movie since Beverly Hills Cop 2, and I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, that's, <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry, that's not true. Life, uh, Boomerang, uh, like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, we, like, so we get, you know, so we'll say things that we don't agree with, but I want us to understand each other at the end. Like, you'll understand me by listening to my jokes, and I'll understand you by what you laugh at. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, I don't know where you're at in your life if you laugh. You know, like, they, and I love watching the different pockets of the room laugh at certain jokes. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, you can kind of, like, trace people's, like, I don't know, opinions or, like, through their reactions to your jokes, I find. Yeah, like when I when I do like I have a strip club. That's another thing about my 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 stand up. I don't do a lot of like pontification jokes where like I sat in a room and I thought about this and I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'll write a joke. Like most of it is either from an actual conversation that I had with somebody or something that legit happened to me. Mm -hmm. So like one of my jokes I have about the worst strip club I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> and, I saw this on and, your Instagram. I watched a bit with you. The pick the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that it, and funny. that. That's a real. That's a real strip club. Shout out the club friends. Shout <laughs> out the club friends. Like it was. It was terrible, bro. Like I got a lap dance, and in the middle of the lap dance, she tried to add me to her her Lycoming County food group. Like she has a Facebook foodie group where like they exchange the best like restaurants. And she's like, it's like in the middle that she's like, you should join my group. I'm like, man, damn, I'm not good. What are you? Like, I'm not trying to get a lap dance and talk about how good Five Guys is. Like, can we just not? Like, can we... This is a lap dance and not a plug. That's uh, multi-passing <laughs> level. I had no idea stripping had reached more. There was more you could do so, than just the lap dance at that time. She was really about it. And I'm like, man, all right. Like, so, like, when I tell that joke, I, like, see, like, the younger dudes laugh and stuff. But then I'll tell, like, the jokes about me being a parent or me being a, a husband. Mm-hmm. And then the married couples laugh. And then I'll tell jokes about my parents. And I'm like, okay, the theater kids laugh because they have trauma. So this is, like, this is good for them. <laughs> and a fellow that's theater cool. kid, yes. Yeah, that's uh, me and Lisa relating hard to that one. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's um, and I, I also... thought be the crowd, too. Sorry, Tom. No, no, no. Go ahead. What, what'd you say? It's, important, um, it's a really important skill as a comedian to be able to read the crowd you're in. And yeah. uh, do you find that that changes up maybe what you'll if has you ever been 
have you ever been doing a, a set and maybe things haven't been landing the way you thought or that you adjusted maybe because something was doing going really well or do you tend to just stick with what you sort of were originally planning? I mean, I guess it really depends on like how much fun I'm having. Like if I'm having a lot of fun, like I remember one show I did uh, a couple years ago, it was actually a charity show. And I actually did it on my break. I organized this show and I messed up and I realized that the show was going to happen while I was at work. So, but luckily I worked down the street. So I, I was like, oh, I'm going on my break real quick. And I go to the show and, and it was a late night shift. I was, just, I was a journalist and I was working the photo desk that night. So luckily, like, I didn't have any work to do unless somebody brought in a bunch of pictures that I had to edit and it only took a couple seconds. So I was like, whatever. So I dip off, I do the show, I get drunk. Well, not drunk, but like I'm drinking during the show and I'm having fun. I am, I am I'm maybe 25 minutes in and then I notice that like everybody's laughing and I'm like, y'all having fun? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, let me keep going. So I just keep going. Uh, and I and I, and I brought out a new bit that night that I had never done before just, just because I had fun. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, so it really kind of depends on, you know, the mood of the room. Like if I I try to keep it universal Mm -hmm. and I try to talk about a lot of different things in my set. So I'm like, okay, if this section of my set isn't going to grab you, this one probably will. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like if, if the parent, if the, if you can't relate to me having messed up parents, like if you can't get that, okay, well, what about me being a dad? If you can't get that, okay, what about just race stuff or what about weird Mm -hmm. stuff? Like, and it works. Like I literally, I'm. I have a poop joke, and that kills every time. Poop <laughs> like, man, that's universal as hell. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I mean, it was. It was the fact that I was. It was the fact that I was. I got sick. I got sick, and it was. And the the point of the joke, without giving it the bit away, is basically, like I had to poop, but it was one of those like bad ones where you think you might not survive. <gasps> like it was like, <laughs> like when you. <laughs> Like what are the what are the lines that are, the one of the lines in it? I'm like it's one of those ones where you get butt ass naked. You get yeah. you got to get butt ass naked, mm-hmm. and you just gonna have to sweat this one out. Like you just gonna have to like all right, like we 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 gonna be here for a minute, and that you that usually catches everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm like fuck you to whoever hears that joke and is like I can't relate at all. I've never been through yeah. that. Like you're a liar. Yeah. I've never had, yeah no. <laughs> oh my god. Also, like, we've all had we've all we've all eaten something from a gas station we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, it's what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And I also just want to comment real quick, just because that story specifically sounds so much like <laughs> you are Peter Parker by day and then your <laughs> Spider-Man nightlife is doing comedy shows, which is awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about the journalism background. Does that, like, does that ever come up? Because, obviously... So if you don't know, my day job is as a librarian and I talk about it in my act all the time and I probably shouldn't because it'll get me fired one day. But do you ever find that like that sort of stuff works its way into your act? Because there's like universal topics that I feel like comedians want to talk about if they're like mining for materials like relationships, your job and like family or something. I've I've written, I wrote one joke about me being a journalist. Um, And it was basically about, and I wrote it the like it there's a mic here that I go to all the time on Thursdays and I was at work on Thursday and I got yelled at by my boss and um I was like I was mad and I was like man it's bullshit and my coworker was like gee calm down it's not that bad and I just stood up and I'm like bullshit I did not go to college for four years to get yelled at by an old white lady in Skechers 
and I just walked out the room. And and I thought about it. And I'm like, actually, that's kind of funny. So I wrote it down and I said, it, and I went to the to the open mic and I did it. But but mostly what I find bleeds over is the 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 method of it. So when I'm writing a story about like when I'm writing a story as a bit, I'm able to like compartmentalize what's happening and when and then kind of break it down in a sequence as opposed to like, I know a lot of comedians, they'll like, oh, here's the story and I'm gonna jump around the story and talk mm -hmm. about small minute things. I'm like, nah, I'm taking you from the beginning of the story to the end of the story and how it happened in sequential order. Like, that's really you know, cool. Like I have, <laughs> yeah, like I, I have a story about, a, we went to the African-American History Museum and the story literally starts when we walk in and it ends when we walk out and I do everything in between. Wow, I, I like that because it goes back to like people get to know you, like that's right. really you. So the way you're telling your story, like we're all friends. Like I'm going to tell you and show, tell you the experience, like I would share it with anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think like how I learned how to do that was I the, I always say the two comedy specials that made me were Killing Them Softly, Softly by Dave Chappelle and The Kings of Comedy. That made me, and specifically the story about Bert, uh, about Bernie Mac's uh, nieces and nephews. And, <laughs> and like how he just tells that story from top to bottom. And I'm like, oh, this is how stand-up is done. Let me do this. I, I didn't get introduced to shitty comedy and struggle comedy <laughs> until like way later on. So all of my examples <laughs> of comedy were at like the top of the game. So I always pushed for that. And, and that's like how I, I'm like, oh, well, if I'm gonna write, I, I can't write like them, but I could at least try to con keep it concise like they do. Mm -hmm. And I never kept, and I never thought about the fact, oh, they were doing this story for like a year before they put it on camera. Mm -hmm. like, so yeah. everything I write, I write like I'm filming it tomorrow. Right. You know, I think that that's something that's really interesting, your pro the process you go through, and especially each comedian that people don't realize, because I was reading the Jerry Seinfeld, and I've seen um, interviews, and she's like, he spends years on a joke, and the wording. Oh, you mean this one? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. The, the wording, and how you, like, and we talk about this with the feedback that we do, the mic that we do, is that the wording, the rules, like, coming through, how do you break the rules? And what how was do you it we said this week? Them? It was, like, word economy or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, econ the economy of words. I, I live and die by the economy of words. I try to keep everything as concise while you're still getting the point. Like, I don't want to mm -hmm. belabor it. I, I want you to catch it. If, if my dream is to be able to tell a, an entire bit in one word. Like, if the day that I can do that, I can quit comedy. I'm done. Like, Just like go on stage, poop, walk off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You'd be and they know password to play. They don't get the whole thing. <laughs> oh. I want to do that so bad. That's my goal. That's my dream. If I can do if I can do an hour special and keep it to one second and I'm like, all right, guys. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and the rest of the footage is just people laughing. That that would be yes. awesome. <laughs> Drop the mic, walk away, and be like, best special ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's like, oh my god. Well, hold on, I gotta do it in a Dave Chappelle. Oh my god, son. Oh my god. Oh wow. Oh baby, that was amazing, son. Wow. Oh ah. Like that's that's my that was pretty good. That's my, that was really good. I like that you just need that's a cigarette. A, he always has a cigarette and it's always it's always, right? I love him. He's oh, one of wait, my, wait, you mean, my favorites. Oh, that's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Oh, baby, that was amazing. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God, son. 
For those listening to this on the podcast, he pulled out a cigarette. Uh, so, so that's why we're laughing so hard. Um, but I also just want to point out, too, that it's like you really cover the like spectrum of like comedy writing processes, it sounds like, because... Uh, from different people I've talked to in my own experience, like I am, I wish I was more impulsive in my writing and I should be because I have the improv background, but I find that like when I sit down to write comedy, it is like a laborious thing where I am sitting down at a designated time and like writing that shit out. And like other people, they just like seem to be able to riff and it turns into gold and that's awesome. Um, and you kind of, it sounds like you have the benefit of having an editor's brain, because we talked about, like, economy of words, uh, but yeah. also it's inspired by, like, how it actually happened and, like, keeping the order of the story. And it sounds like a little bit, too, uh, kind of keeping the feeling a little bit of, like, how crazy the experience was when it was actually happening. Yeah, I, I try to write it as soon as it happens and then when it when it like whenever I read it back I take myself back there and think about everything that happened leading up to that like when I when I do the story about us going to the African-American History Museum I remember the fact that it was a surprise to my daughter she didn't really know we were going and that the fact that there was a bigger surprise at the end because that actually was like a red herring because she didn't know that we were taking her to Universal Studios the next day but like she thought we, we she thought we were going home and then like we woke her up at like literally six o'clock in the morning in the hotel like yo wake up wake up put the shirt on and it was a shirt that said uh my first trip to Universal and she looked at she's like huh I'm like yeah come on let's go <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Universal fanatic like me and my wife we have season passes it's we go every chance we get I've um, only been once but it was really fun it's, it's my it's my every, almost 20 years ago now so I need we're to... <laughs> we're going in two weeks <laughs> no three oh, weeks nice that's so exciting we're going, we're going in three weeks we were there back in january uh before that we were there in either september or october then we were there in july and then we were there in february where we got covid so that was fun <laughs> so that's what i was going to ask because i noticed on your instagram a lot of stuff about you really, you know, I saw that you had that um, picture of you masked and it looked like you were ill. And then you talked about how um, really a proponent of being safe and taking care of each other. Yeah. And so I was curious about that with going down there back and forth, if that, if travel, how you traveled, if that affected things, like your perspective on COVID in general, but also how you, how's it Yeah, and especially with like all the open mics now, it seems like are kind of turning a corner and things are opening up in different regions. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it's funny. The picture that you're referencing is the night that I came up with the poop joke because that's when I got <laughs> sick. I thought we thought we got co I, I had COVID that night, but it wasn't. I just had like they don't even know what it was, but I was like, oh, okay. Um, just normal actually, food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, just normal normal food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like uh, with travel, specifically going to Universal and stuff, they have like a really good bubble. Like when you go there, you have to scan your forehead every day in order to get into the park, whether you're staying at a hotel on property or not. They wipe down every seat before and after you get off a ride. You have to keep a mask on. Everything has a device. So like, so that's not the prop. Like that's pretty good. But other than that, we really don't travel. Like we've kind of, because my wife is a nurse, so she's she plays no games. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, that's an intense job. <laughs> oh yeah, especially now. <laughs> Oh yeah, but she plays no games. Like as soon as uh, a vaccine was made available, she's like, "You're getting this vaccine," and I'm like, 
I'm afraid of needles. She's like, you better man the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you better get this needle. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Has so, it affected your comp? Like, I, did you then were performing in a, like, you know, gigs, you know, in front of actual people versus the the Zoom world that we've all sort of entered for this. Um, and what are the if, biggest challenges or differences you've seen for other yourself? than like you got COVID and got a great yeah, poop joke know, out of part. it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was a one for me. Get COVID <laughs> and become funny is the message yeah. of this yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it, in a weird way, the pandemic made me funnier because when everything moved to Zoom. I know a lot of comedians that were like, oh, I'm not touching Zoom. I'm like, why not, dude? Like, for me, I can't, like, I, I get depressed if I have all these jokes that I can't do anything with. I have to do these jokes. So, you know, once I start, like, so I was like, all right, fine. If, if this is the only way that I can do comedy right now, I'm doing it. And I realized very early, very fast, that you're going to have to develop a different kind of skill set to be able to do well on Zoom versus live. And I also learned that doing it on Zoom is harder than doing it live. So it like at least the construction of a joke. Mm -hmm. And what I've what I found is that if you can tell a joke on Zoom and it kills, you're gonna destroy live. Yeah. Because I I did I did a live show in September that was outdoor socially distanced. And I and I just did a bunch of jokes that I had written during the pandemic. And I was like, damn, like, I thought this was just okay. Y'all are dying. Like, what the hell? Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, and not in a bad way, but, you know, like, yeah. like nobody's coughing. <laughs> not like COVID like, you know, way. No. They're just dying. Yeah, no, I've definitely found yeah, that too. Yeah, not in a COVID like, way. Like, nobody. Yeah. No, just like that, like, whatever your zoom material is when you do it live, you're going to have to, like, add at least, like, two minutes onto it because you're also going to be, a lot of the times in these Zoom rooms, it's like with other comedians. So when you do a live room, yes. it's going to be like people who haven't heard these jokes before and like are just appreciative to like hear comedy in like a live venue. And yeah, you're going to have to take time just to account for like people need to stop laughing before you can move on to that joke. Which sucks for yeah. me because I'm very regimented. So I'm like, you guys need to mm. stop laughing. I have other stuff. We have a tight five going and I've like planned every second <laughs> of it. <laughs> oh no, I, I feel you. Like I literally, the set that I did at that, that outdoor show, I keep it on me because like, I, like I, a lot of weird things shape how I look at comedy. And one of, like I grew up in a rough neighborhood, but you know, growing up, and the dudes that I grew up with was in the streets. And they was like, bro, you got to keep that thing on you at all times. You got to be ready for anything. So I keep the set that I did that night in my pocket, like in my wallet at all times, in case somebody says, I bet you don't got a hot 30. And I'm like, I bet you I do. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I bet you can drop 30 right now. What's up? Like, you carry it like I concealed comedy. Like, you're like, I yeah, got concealed, it. <laughs> my concealed comedy yeah. license. I'm like, what's up, bro? I'm packing. What you need? Oh, nice. my God. <laughs> I really yeah, want to dig into like comedy as a defense mechanism now. <laughs> oh, no, trust me, from where I'm from, oh, it is. Like, <laughs> you, comedy will keep somebody off your ass for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know a lot of people that are like, I, the only reason I didn't get my ass whooped every day is because I'm funny. It's, yeah. it's true. It's, it's also like a top quality of women, like, oh, he's funny. But like, I think that being funny, people, Oh, I like that person because they make me laugh. It's a real, it's a, it's a lifesaver. <laughs> Can be yeah, literally. Yeah, for the person telling the joke, and sometimes for the person hearing the joke. That sounded really <laughs> corny coming out. I'm so sorry. 
But like maybe that bully just does just need to laugh. Somebody's about to whoop your head. The more you know. <laughs> I just imagine like somebody about to rob you and you just do a hot five and he just starts cracking up. He was like, yo, man, I was really about to shoot you in the face. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm go home, yeah. bro. I'm gonna tell everybody. What's your Instagram? I'm gonna tell everybody. We're gonna follow you. Um, <laughs> Oh my god. I'm like, okay, I need to I need to calm down because I'm having too much fun and out of the questions that I've prepared, we've gotten through two. Um, which is, uh, it's, it's fine. No, this is great. We're having a great conversation. I almost kind of feel bad about it. But um, uh, so talking about, uh, since we're kind of on the topic of pandemic uh, humor anyway and like getting into like doing open mics, um, is there any, like, definitive thing that is, like, making you not maybe, like, feel safe again, but anything you feel like is, like, a safety measure that you've seen put in place that you're, like, that's good or, like, that's excessive? Like, I've seen both so far the mic condom, which has really become a great topic for sets, and the, uh, oh, yeah. at least, I think there's a few around here, but I heard about it from a Canadian comic where, um, they perform at an open mic in a bar and it's like they put the performers basically in a plexiglass box um Ugh. Oh, gross. no don't do that don't do that <laughs> like i would rather perform outside like me i like the idea of performing outside i never thought i did until i did it and i'm like oh this is good okay like yeah you know because you you feel like it, it feels almost like 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 oh, it feels weird. It's going to sound strange. It almost feels like kind of tribal almost because you're, you're like at the center of it and everyone's crowded around you on all sides and you're just like conducting this ceremony of laughter and they're just like, and you're just making them go up and go down however you want them to and you're kind of controlling it and it's, and I love doing that outside. Like, it, I don't know why, like indoors, it feels like you're caged in, mm -hmm. but outside you're like, nah, this is all my space. This is all my stage and I can work with it. That's so, so cool. I mean, because it is a very visceral thing, like comedy itself, like the open mics and like showcases and stuff. It's like it's almost like a community watering hole uh, in a lot yes. of ways where like people gather together for a similar purpose, uh, which is just to take a second and laugh and relax. Um, but like, yeah, also that idea of just like. And I think that's a lot of what people are missing from Zoom comedy. Although, obviously, uh, I personally love it, um, is, like, that direct oh, yeah. connection with the audience, too. And, like, having people's, like, physical presence and attention um, at the ready for you. Yeah. yeah. Great storytellers, you know, we all gather around the fire. It's primal. Exactly. It's really, it's really a primal thing. Like, I love, like, the, like, the almost, like, Comedy strikes to me at the most base nature of a human being, which is to feel something so nonsensical. And like, cause that's why I like laughing because laughing, it's not something you really have to think about. It just happens to you. Mm -hmm. So like, it's a visceral thing. So being able to bring that outside and keeping that in like its rawest form is something, something about it that I like. Like in a comedy club against the brick wall, you know, you're just like, hey, guys, uh -huh. like, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool, two drink minimum, this sucks. Like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I mean, it, it is harder to get, I, I have been heckled by an owl before. An so owl? I, that's, <laughs> I've been heckled. Ooh, ooh, like, 
there's there's nothing worse than saying a a, a joke outside it bombs and you get literal crickets. <laughs> like, real yeah. fucking crickets. Yeah. And you're just like, oh shit, okay. Like, all right, like plan B, where are we going now? And you know, like I, that happened for me for a second at that outdoor show. It happened and I'm like, ooh, and then I just started fucking with the crowd. Like, and then I just started talking. Uh, there was this old, old black mm-hmm. dude who wore a red velour jumpsuit. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, you look like the Santa Claus, bro. Like you, you look like all you drop off the kids is, is you look like all you drop off the kids is Newport cigarettes and bad credit. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> so I mean, you know, but like COVID, that's that's one thing that I really like. Like with the precautions, is the outdoor stuff. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm not only used to it, I enjoy it. Yeah, and I think that that's like uh, to the other point too. It's like. Um, for doing the stuff outdoors and uh you know i think that that's like the whole component with like the zoom audience is like they also i have found there's like a disconnect whether it's like technological or like just the digital barrier um sometimes so much of it is having that instant reaction from an audience too rather than like having to wait to get over the lag in zoom and also like in Zoom, there's a lot of shows where, like, they will mute the audience and, like, uh, especially, Ooh. and, like, I this is no, like, shade at them, but, like, uh, a lot of the inspiration for the District Comedy Tech stuff comes from, like, the pre-existing streamer community um, that mm. was, like, already doing stuff with, like, video games and stuff on Twitch. But it's, like, it's not the same to see lols in a chat than it is to hear laughs from people. Yeah, no, I need, I need to hear that laugh because, like, one, every laugh is different. So I know, like, I well, one, because people will say LOL. Like, how many times have you texted LOL to something that wasn't funny? I have like, used LOL. it as, like, this is how you know I'm done with this conversation. Yes, I was just about <laughs> to say. I will end this, LOL. When you say LOL, like, like, LMFAO, that's, okay, that was funny. Yeah. LOL, mm-hmm. I want, I, I, can this be done now? I want like, out. We, yeah, we're done. But, like, um... But yeah, like I like hearing the laughs because it's different types of laughs. Like if I get a huh, I'm like, okay, that wasn't that funny. Or, you know, all right, let me move on. But if like I get a oh shit, like then it's like, all right, that was that was touching something. Maybe I can push it a little bit more. Um, I love doing comedy for black like Zoom rooms because black people are the only people who insult you the funnier you are. But I've noticed, <laughs> real shit, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but like if you tell like um like if you tell a story to a black person and they're like, ha, you fucking stupid. Like I'm like, all right, why you like, like hey man, that was fucking stuff. That was that was funny as hell. That's why you don't got no friends. Like, all right. Which is great. It's like kind of two comedy shows built into one, the normal mic and then also the audience roast of you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, all right, like, like I swear one of these days I'm gonna tell a joke and a black person's like, ha, ah, that's funny as hell. That's why your dad ain't coming back. Like, all right. Like, that's <laughs> going to the oh my god. All right. Like, I'm like, all right, bro, like why you had to hit that that button? Like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> That that must <laughs> that must be a keeper. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah, like all right, that's good. If, if I cry, if I cry because what you said, 
I'm gonna keep it for comedy and bad therapy. Yeah, like you just start laughing at them and then you start crying. But yeah, man. Um, we're also based, or at least District Comedy is a little bit spread out, but like I'm based in Alexandria, and then most of the other hosts for District Comedy are based in like some region of Maryland, mostly like Annapolis or Baltimore. So we don't really have a perspective onto some of the other comedy scenes. So I'm curious since uh, I believe your bio said Chester, Pennsylvania. Kind of yes, what was this? Yeah? Okay, good. I read all the stuff that people submitted. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, like, so kind of differentiating between how would you describe uh, live Chester comedy before pandemic and like after? Like, has it been affected at all? Have you noticed that there have been like, at least in the D.C. area, there are like a few pretty notable clubs that used to be havens for this kind of stuff that has shut down um, and they will not be coming back after. Um, so I don't know if people are taking that in other regions uh maybe it's kind of creating a gap for new venues to kind of build themselves what have you noticed i mean well when it comes to chester comedy like i've i've done most of my comedy in williamsport pennsylvania like so i'm from chester <laughs> got married moved out here to the to the i i like to call them the unwashed whites i live amongst the unwashed <laughs> whites um <laughs> the unseasoned caucasians if you will <laughs> And, I just and, spit up all over my mic. <laughs> <laughs> I, live, I live amongst them, but like in Chester, it's real close to Philly, so we don't have like Philly, like Chester doesn't have as much of a comedy scene as they just migrate to Philly. So a mm -hmm. lot of people just end up joining the Philly comedy scene because Chester doesn't have much of one. In Williamsport, we're kind of we kind of get in where we fit in and we kind of make our own thing, which is cool because. But I found places like the gauntlet almost like mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but like whatever we have in the water here amongst the other comedians, it's like made us like grunt like we write like we are some writers out here. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know what it is. Like uh one of my friends, Chris Chimmer, old dude, like literally I, I was hanging out with him last night. He works at Sunoco. We just hung out at, at while he was at work and like from midnight to two o'clock in the morning, going over jokes just mm -hmm. shooting the shit while he's running around the store getting people's high like like just marijuana fueled uh instacart orders and shit mm -hmm. like it was it, we had a great time but like we're some writers out here and but like unfortunately we haven't been able to like really set up a scene that people come to because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. but um but that's kind of made us like it's the pressure of it like the pressure of if we don't do well, we're never getting out of here. Mm -hmm. So we grind harder. So when we go out, we're we're doing it. Like we are, yeah. You know, we come out swinging. That's really interesting because I also think that you know part of the you know digital access is that we're seeing a lot of voices from like communities that don't have access to these like either big cities or big venues. Uh, and I think it's really interesting that you kind of point out the fact that like. Yeah, we have these, like, hidden pockets throughout the country of, like, these really cool, intense comedy communities that are producing good work. But at the same time, we have to be careful because if those areas actually ever became successful, part of why the community has become that way is because of the pressure that's put on them. That's really interesting. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's what it is because, like, 
we're, we're always under this intense pressure of feeling like no one, because this is a very big hunting and like rural community. So like out here, no one cares unless it's camo covered or it's on Facebook. Like no one's going to give a shit. So we have to write to catch your attention and make it big and be undeniable. Like that's the biggest thing for me. Like I, I, I don't want to do a joke if you, if I feel like somebody might be like, eh, and somebody will laugh. I need everyone to be like, no, that was, that was good. Like, because then that's the only way out here that people will even notice you. So, and I don't want to sound like some clout, like, like the clout chaser. I don't care about the clout. Right. You know, but like comedy is word of mouth. So if you don't do something that's going to make us say that guy's funny, no one else is going to know that you're funny. So you're funny to 10 people. You could be the funniest dude in the world to 10 people, but that doesn't mean anything. So that pressure of feeling like if, if, if this is not good, it's not going to matter, makes it 10 times more intense to write. But also when it's done, you, you've done something. Yeah. It's almost like Chester has a high standard for comedy, but it's also a secret. So we don't, we also don't want Chester to become famous for having really high quality <laughs> comedy. <laughs> I mean, like we got Chester has a couple things. We got basketball players, uh, uh, and we have Widener University. That's what we got. That's it. But um, <laughs> like, but when it comes to you know comedy, man, like we're right next to Philly, so you know we got yeah. we got people coming out of Chester headed to Philly, but they rep Chester all day. Like I will never mm -hmm. not be a Chester. Chesterian, Chesterite. We don't, we don't fucking know. <laughs> like we just, like we like. What, what are you? I'm from Chester, bro. But what does that mean? It means I'm from Chester. That's what it means. Like, you guys are making a name wherever you're at. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, we do what we. Have you found that like, um, maybe not in Chester specifically, but like in adjacent communities, like how have the small businesses that like used to host the comedy events been doing? Oof. Oh man, like, I mean, we didn't have a lot to begin with, but like mm -hmm. out here, that's that, that's the problem. Like, you know, so like like where I'm at now in Williamsport and in Chester, it's kind of the same thing. Like, there was, well, Williamsport has more bars and restaurants where, where we can have more of a venue, but it's hard to get it. You know, like it's hard to fit them in. They're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, and I'm like, dude, trust me, it's gonna be good. And they're like, eh, maybe, but in Chester there's we have maybe a couple bars and a couple clubs like and not just regular clubs not even comedy clubs and maybe they might do a show but that's always usually attached to a fundraiser or a one night like oh we're gonna do something special for valentine's day bring your girl out or whatever mm -hmm. and it'll always be like some random dude with uh with a crazy ass hood state name it'd be like it was like uh, what's his name? Uh, my name Easy Mac the God or some shit. <laughs> weird shit. Like sounds like a weird comedy Wu Tang name. Like, <laughs> like my name Easy Mac the God. I do a whole bunch of cheese related humor. Like, God, it's like, <laughs> my, <laughs> you know, this is weird shit. So you know, like so, but that that's what we would get in Chester out here. You know, we'll get one. I'm one of the few black comedians out here. So you're like when I'm out here, it's a whole different ball game. When I when I, show up. but um, you know, we we get like the bar crowd or whatever. So, you know, we we try to make it work. But since the pandemic, it hasn't really been 
that much, you know? We've tried to do a couple things here and there, but it doesn't really pop off like live like it used to. Like before we were able to do open mics, uh, shows at a local art gallery that we have out here. Um, but since then, man, it's, you know, we're just starting to open up comfortably, not comfortably, but open up bars and restaurants the way we used, that we were before. And now it's kind of, you know, we're kind of just trying to poke our toes in. Like this summer, I want to do a really big outdoor show. I want to get a whole bunch of guys that I like to perform with. And I'm like, we're going to do a big outdoor thing. Like make a, like make a night of it. Like a, yeah. I want it to be an event. Yeah, so, yeah no, I've definitely, wanna, um, to... sorry, <laughs> um, I've definitely found that too, no. with like, the places that have been opening up bit by bit, it's like, even though the regulations may not necessarily, like, be as strict, people are, like, still going into it, uh, rightfully so, because it's been a year, uh, but with a lot of, like, trepidation and caution. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, your idea reminds me. I mean, me. out here, no, just out here, you get a mixed bag. Like, some people are like, oh, COVID. And the other people are like, COVID ain't real. I'm like, all right. When you, oh, yeah. when you, start, <laughs> when you start coughing, keep that shit over there. <laughs> you, better, you better cough for your jacket, bitch. <laughs> and here's your mask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. It reminds me, what I was going to say, is like, um, Chappelle did this last summer. He did like that comedy camp that was outside because he lives out in Ohio and he brought all these. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it reminds me sort of that like idea of like people, comedians, like you said, you need to have these jokes or they need to perform. They need they need the audience. Yeah. We need to hear the jokes. And I love that you're you got to perform outside and then the same idea. It's funny because it sounds like he, he influenced you that that somehow you came to the same sort of conclusion on your like, oh, like creating an outdoor sort of of gig that yeah. gives you guys the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, and you said Dave Chappelle is like probably my one of my biggest influences. Mm -hmm. Like that's you know, so a lot of the things that a lot of the things that he does, I watch and I'm like, oh, does that work? Like, and and I and I've never been the type to bite. I've never been the type to like, like oh, let me take that idea and run with it. Like I've been like, okay, I see what you're doing. I mean, but I'm also recognizing the philosophy behind mm -hmm. it. How can I do that? Like, can I, can I use that same philosophy without taking what you do? And so like when it came to like the outdoor thing, I already recognized, I'm like, no, we like, there's a comedy for comedians is essential. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the same way fish got to swim. <laughs> yeah. Comedians got to tell jokes, bro. Like, yeah. like, I can't, I can't not do it. Like before I did that outdoor show, my wife hated me. Hated me. <laughs> I would wake her up with random fucking jokes, bro. <laughs> like just stupid ass jokes. And she'd be like, what? I would, I'd, I'd try to get her to laugh with this story about me uh, messing up my eye and tetherball. <laughs> and she was like, it is two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, like, you ain't never played tetherball? She's like, no, bitch, I haven't. <laughs> It's like, go to like a California Zoom mic in in that case. I'm curious because you're talking about your wife and your daughter. Does she, so what does your daughter think of you being a comedian and does she think you're funny? Because often our own kids don't think we're funny or, you know. Oh, she, she don't give a shit. She oh, my, da my, daughter, my daughter don't give a shit. She don't care. <laughs> she don't think I'm funny. She don't, my daughter does not think I'm funny whatsoever. Though. She does not care about anything. Damn. Um, it's not a, TikTok is the funniest thing to her. 
-hmm. TikTok is the funniest mm -hmm. thing alive to her. But for me, like, I, I told one of my friends that I wanted her to be a stand-up. And she was like, "Why would, this is a depressing-ass life. Why would you want your kid to be there? And I'm like, because if I can't be well-adjusted, why should she? She might have to struggle too. What's this? Like, I, why should you be able to smile at 16? Oh, bullshit. So, well, there's a like, lot of nah, truth like, to that too. Like uh, with some comedians and definitely like a lot of people in like the theater and the film industry, it's like, uh, I am doing this because uh, my parents did this before me and their parents before them. And it's like these generations of like mm -hmm. artisans and craftsmen that you have to go through before like the generation of the family that makes it. Right. And I'm, and to, for me, I, I, nothing, nothing would make me happier than to open, like either she would open for me one day or I open for her because oh. she's that funny. I would love that. That would kill. That would. That would. That would. I'll bro. I would be like, what? What? That is insane. I would love to do that. But my daughter, she don't. She don't care. She don't think nothing's funny, which is why I don't feel bad. Which is why I don't feel bad about making jokes about her. I have a whole bunch of daughter jokes. The fact about the fact that she's biracial, like, like, which is. It's, I feel bad because she's my stepdaughter, but I don't consider her a stepdaughter. She's my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got here, she was raised primarily around white people. So she had nothing but white culture. And I'm like, oh, baby, we're going to have to fix that. We're going to <laughs> we're gonna have to teach you some stuff. We're going to teach you how to, we're gonna have to teach you how to swag surf. We're going to have to teach you how to do a lot of stuff, bro. Like, we're going to have to, you know, so I write jokes about that or just about the fact that, like, you know, my daughter is quickly understanding the dynamic of me being a step parent. No lie. This is, this is, I put this in a, in a set, but this really happened. One day I tried to be like a dad to her and she goes, I'm like, you know what? You ain't going to do this in my house. She literally stands up and goes, your house. And I'm like, oh. all right, all right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, just hold, hold, hold on. Like, what, what, what is this? My God. Yeah. They also yeah, my, get she's smart really, she's really fast. No, she, she's 10, but she's a savage. She will, oh, oh she hurt, she'll hurt you. She will oh. hurt you. Sounds like some vicious yeah. eye rolls, like, bet coming your way or something. She, she gets, I call it, like, the Jaws stare. She'll, like, when she's tired of listening to you talk, her face goes blank, and I swear to God, her eyes go blank, and she just stares through, <laughs> stare through you, and I'm just like, I'm like, Elena. She's like, what? I'm like, are you listening? Yeah. what I tell you to do? I forget. I'm like, all right, bro. All right. Oh my god. Like, I'm like, go, go upstairs. I'm done. I can't do it. That feels like the stare I give like most people at work. <laughs> like that's me day to day at my adult job. She's learning quick. She's already <laughs> for the corporate world. <laughs> oh, she's she's prepared. Like she, I, I I just look at her with that blank face and this overbite that she has with her crooked ass teeth. And I'm like, I'm like you, like I'm like yo, you must be at the same age because I'd roast the shit out you. I would destroy you. <laughs> like, I, would, I would break you down. I mean, I do sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. Like she said something smart to me one time in front of company, and I literally I was like, "Don't you still piss the bed?" And she, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so I'll end it. Don't don't start. Right? That's also yeah, the thing to be afraid of. Just like having a parent that is a comedian. Like yeah, the comebacks <laughs> are real. <laughs> yeah, I I heard I my wife gets it too because my wife is older than me. 
So she'll like mess with me and she's like, haha, you're a baby, you're so young. And I'm like, yeah, that's real funny. Hey, real quick, what's what, what was it like fucking Frederick Douglass? Was that fun? <laughs> <laughs> like, and she's just like, <laughs> it's like what? The fuck? <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, I, I fucked up a Christmas party doing that. I fucked up a whole Christmas party. Oh wow. Well, <laughs> like, we they didn't have a sense of humor then. <laughs> no. That's no. on them. <laughs> yeah, that's their problem. Yeah. Not mine. <laughs> but it's, like you said, it's your your comedy is you, so you're gonna use people in your life when you can, right? Have that yeah, I use I use as many people and the funniest thing is I'm not even the funniest person in my family. If I had to say who the funniest person in my family is, it would be my aunt. She's hilarious, but it was it's her her real life. Like the first time my wife met my aunt, like I was joke, we were joking, like me and my me and my aunt were joking, but my wife didn't know that. She thought we were joking up until a point. I was like, yo, you say some shit, you know, Rona gonna fuck you up. Aunt is gonna fuck you up. And my wife was like, huh. That's real funny. And she turns to look at my aunt, and my aunt's like, mm-hmm, yeah, like, like, we're we gonna fuck you up. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. family. All we gotta do is make one call. We're gonna fuck you up. <laughs> we're gonna fuck you. My aunt, my grandma, my aunt, my grandma, and her friend jumped a lady in the mall before, all together. Like, like that's how crazy, yeah, we get down like that. We, Yo, my wife is terrified of my family. <laughs> She's scared. She's so scared. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's why she tried to be real nice about bombing my aunts and stuff because she was like, if shit go left, I need backup. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Terrified, bro. Oh. Yeah, man. So yeah, I use as many I use as many people and as many uh, as many sources as I can because life is funnier than anything that you can think of. Like life, mm-hmm. life is funnier than anything. Like you know, you just got to find the joke, like the joke, you know, the, the mm-hmm. joke is somewhere. The joke is in the, the joke is in the pain of it. You know, the joke is in, yeah. you know, the real, the, the absurdity of a real life situation. I love looking for that. Yeah. And like, that, yeah, that's could a- I write a joke about, you know, what? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, please keep going. I don't want to interrupt you okay. if you have more, because I'm like loving this, <laughs> honestly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, I can write a joke about how weird it is that, and this is true. This is this is a true fact um, that the that the NASA staff for the asteroid detection department mm-hmm. is not enough people to staff a a McDonald's breakfast shift. That <laughs> that is true. There are more people at working at McDonald's during breakfast than. And there are protecting us from asteroids. Oh my god. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Five, now, five, could five, I write a joke about that? Yeah. But could I, but it, huh? It's like 20 times funnier, though, that it's based in truth. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I love doing the joke about the fact that my mom had a drinking problem. Like, it, mm-hmm. that sounds weird as fuck to say, but <laughs> it's the, it's one of my favorite jokes to do. And it was from the one of the most painful moments of my life like like you know one time my mom got drunk um fell passed out against the door the door broke off the the hinges and landed on top of me underneath the door so my mom i'm underneath this door like and and i'm like fuck like and the joke is like i'm third i'm i don't even say how old i am but i was i was like 13 um and the only thought in my head is i'm like fuck i'm a virgin man (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> my last like, thoughts. Right. God. And I'm just like, this is not the woman I want to die under. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is not. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. Like that, you know, I like that like, you're so, teaching you a priority. That, that joke for me. Oh, dude, I look, my priorities back then were very basic. What am I eating? <laughs> What am I eating? Who am I not gonna fuck? <laughs> like, who am I not oh gonna fuck that I probably want to? But who am I, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and that was it. And now, you know, that the, the category of two priorities has probably risen to four. Like, it's, right. what am I, <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna eat? How many sneakers can I buy this week? Um, Cause I'm a sneakerhead. And like the well-being um, of my a, family, whatever. Huge sneaker. <laughs> the well-being, they, they, look, they gonna be out. <laughs> they, they gonna be here somewhere, they gonna be somewhere. Okay, I'm an I'm a I'm a struggling like you know comedian in a pandemic. My wife is a travel nurse. She they're probably better off without me. Like, <laughs> like they oh. they probably would have more. They would have more resources if I wasn't around. Oh <laughs> my god! Like if I, if if I go missing tomorrow, they're like shit. Less one less mouth to feed. Okay, this is good. <laughs> I don't know though because yeah. funerals are really like, expensive. Yeah. Um. <laughs> If you think they're gonna give me a funeral, <laughs> if you think they're gonna give me a funeral, <laughs> oh my god, oh god, that's great. Look, but... all they would do is sell, all they would do is sell my sneakers. They would yeah. sell my sneakers to pay for my funeral because I have a, I have so, man, I I have an absurd amount of sneakers. Like that is really what. It sounds what like. Do you have a pair nearby that you want to show off? Sneakers. It sounds like you really want to talk right. about the sneaker collection. No, it's. No, it's funny. No, it's no. The only reason I brought it up is because I there is one in the corner of my in my eye. Oh, if you like, want to grab a pair of shoes and show yeah. them off real quick, just, I'll describe it visually for the podcast listeners, knowing nothing about shoes, but I will try. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that'd I, be really I, funny. I, 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 I only did it like, all your shoe boxes behind you. We're talking about your like the haircut, you know, like you needed it. Oh, and I saw all the I yeah, saw yeah. All the speaker boxes. I was like, look, I respect. I love shoes. I love so. I get. Oh yeah. Get the appeal. I just I just bought these today. They are really uh oh. nice looking uh Nike sneakers. They are Mint black green. and white. And uh yeah, you should probably do the describing of them. them <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're they're mint green. They're literally called barely green. Um oh, okay. and then like the black parts have like this weird kind of like tie-dye, but like almost like a black like kind of thing going on there. So yeah, it almost imitates these. like a snake skin, almost. Shiny. But... Yeah, like I just. <laughs> the only reason I even thought about it is because like I, when I get new sneakers, I kind of keep them piled up in my office, <laughs> like just so they're out out of the way. Like right now, I'm up to nine pairs of unworn sneakers that I've just bought during the pandemic that I haven't been able to wear because I can't go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm just oh, like, yeah, oh, okay. that's a like, shame. When Matt, the time is right. How many you have? I'm a break you know? Yeah. Oof. You don't want to reveal. Um, no, no, that's not the problem. This like, isn't an episode at, of Hoarders, Lisa. I know, yeah. <laughs> at, at one point, I I was upwards of a hundred, hundred like a hundred plus pairs. Oh now God. I'm probably somewhere around maybe fifty, sixty. But like the re, but like how much their worth has increased. <laughs> like mm. I bought pairs that like I got them for retail, but they're worth. Like I have one pair right now that I bought for a hundred bucks 
but they're worth like two thousand. So like if I ever die, that's what they're selling the oh paper. Oh my god. Yeah. That's the next like that's how they're paying stock. That's the inheritance to your dot. Like oh like, yeah. No, I, <laughs> oh no, fuck that. These these are going with me. These <laughs> these are going with me in the ground. She don't get she don't get buried with shoes. Get me. I've seen what she, I've seen what she does to regular right away. Air, I've, I've seen what she does to Air Force Ones. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Give everybody good shit for. Oh my god! Like I I collect shit. I I have the first appearance of Miles Morales up there, like in a oh, comic that's really book. Cool. I like to collect things because I like cool shit. Yeah, like so. Around things, you know, like that's things like my comedy bio. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, I. You're surrounding yourself with things you love. Yeah, no, like my office is, I have my my record player over here with my vinyls. I have my Black Panther poster over here. That the this behind me is the first time my name was ever on a poster. Um. I have my games, I have my desk, you know, I like to keep, which also, that's the first night that I met my best friend in comedy. So I always keep that. Oh, like, who's your best so friend in comedy? First you want to give him a shout out? I keep that. But the, the dude that I was hanging out with, uh, Chris, Chris Chimmer, that's who I was hanging out with last night. And uh, we, like, when we write, like, that was the night that we met. And he came in with this killer joke. I think it was the weekend that Aretha Franklin died. Um, um, and then he said, Aretha Franklin died today, but everyone keeps remembering um, that Elvis Presley also died around them. Once again, a white artist is stealing the thunder from a black woman, <laughs> and I just died. I'm like, yo, like that was the first time I've ever seen him, and we've been friends ever since. You know, he's the he took me to the comedy cellar for the first time, and that cemented our friction. That's awesome. And I don't know if you've yeah. been getting to like work from home a lot, but it sounds like if you have that that's like the an ideal scenario, uh the kind of office that you've set up. Um but yes. I do unfortunately yeah, I mean, although I, we're I, having I, good I was time, working at a diner oh, table. Sorry, what? Diner table? Oh no, oh, oh, no I was just like before I had this, I was just working at a dining room table and then a room opened up in our house because the oldest, my my wife's oldest daughter moved out. So I was like, okay, my youngest daughter, you move into the oldest daughter's room, and then I'm taking your room, and I turn it in. I turned it into this. Okay. So and this is where I spend most of my time. This is where I write everything, film anything, play video games, and generally avoid being a father and a husband. <laughs> like this is that where, is where you can hide away. That is what this closet is for me now. Um, Honestly, like, and and we have actually done something similar. Where like our yeah. uh, nor what was normally a dining room table for us to actually like have a nice dinner at has turned into a secondary office for Chris. Um, but unfortunately, even though we're having a good time, I gotta have to just for continuity of the show ask the last question, which we can keep talking after the show ends. I don't care. But um, the. Last question, which is also the one that we ask every comedian, is what's up next for you? So this is both, it's a two-parter. It's like, what's the stuff coming up that we can check out as far as like plugs and stuff that you want to do? But also, we like hearing about people's like long-term goals because there's a whole spectrum of people who are like, I'm just doing this as a hobby and like, I want to make it in comedy. And obviously, you've talked a lot and I feel like I could guess where you land on that spectrum. 
But uh, if you want to voice your intentions <laughs> to the universe. <laughs> um, well, what's up next for me short term? Well, right now I'm doing a, a podcast with my friend Nick Bees. Uh, we have a podcast discussing all things nerdy called the Rot Your Brain Podcast. That was um, Nick Dees? So mm-hmm. I know him. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. He's the we bonded. We literally we bonded over sneakers <laughs> because we both love we love Spider Man and we love sneakers. And I have the pair of sneakers that Miles Morales wore in Into the Spider Verse. So we bonded over that, and oh. we became friends. And you know, we just started talking nerdy stuff. And now we have the podcast together, so we're doing that. Um, I have a show coming up in on this on the tenth at Broadway Comedy Club. Um, hopefully, I might be getting a residency there. Keep your fingers crossed on that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. I'm 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 feeling it. I'm feeling confident about it, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, I'm just doing stuff around Zoom. So if anybody wants to watch me on, like, figure out what I'm moving and doing, um, you know, my Instagram, she got jokes. You can catch all that there. Um, and long term. It's not for me. It's not the monetary, the physical stuff that comedy gives. I just want to be the best comedian that I can possibly be, and see how far that'll take me. Like I want to be, you know, like whether whatever that shakes out to be. Could I be just like a step above an open micer, or could I be, you know, the next? I'm not gonna say Richard. No. Could I be the next me? Could I be the best me that I could possibly be? I don't know, but I'm going to keep working at my craft. I'm going to keep grinding it out and we'll see where it shakes out. And I want to make people laugh along the way. And if I can afford, if I can, you know, like feed my sneaker habit and take my family to <laughs> Universal Studios every couple months and, you know. That's all you um, need. You don't need a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I want. Sneakers, trips to Universal, um, and Sprite. I love Sprite. I want to. I want a Sprite. I want a Sprite water fountain in my office. That's it. That's the most humble yeah. set of wishes I've ever heard. Oh my god! Yeah. Give it up for Rashid, everybody. I'm yeah. gonna do like a quick outro, like I did an intro. Um, but hey. that's all the time we have for today. I want to uh, thank you, Rashid, for being such a great guest. That was a ton of fun. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Sheed Got Jokes. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, I believe it was April 10th for the uh, show that's coming up. And Broadway Comedy Club, if you're listening to this, give him that residency. He deserves it. Um, I, I need this. I need this. <laughs> give it to him. Um, uh, My daughter thinks I'm a loser. I need this. <laughs> I, uh, you're also, like, having me shout at them who has, like, no clout. <laughs> Nobody watches this show. Nobody knows who I am. Uh, but I also want to say thank you, Lisa, uh, for being such a great co-host uh, on Too Funny Feedback and for this. Uh, and uh, big thanks to you, our audience, uh, for watching the program. If you enjoyed the stream... Uh, please consider making a donation or following us on social media. Uh, you can find the links to those in the episode description. And uh, tune in next week. We're going to have a very uh, special guest with us. Comedian Brooke Barcel uh, is going to be giving us an interview. So uh, definitely tune in for